Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenot at SBN Rossonero, at Tim underscore Fontenot and at Stoll underscore P. It's where you can reach us on Twitter. Well, we're back. It's been a little while. I hate it when uh, life kind of gets in the way of having some fun on podcasts, but we're back. And uh, yeah, AC Milan has uh, done us the favor of having plenty to talk about yet again, uh, despite sitting in a dicey fourth place in Syria. A couple good results. Uh, the manager rumors continue to swirl back and forth, whether it is Antonio Conte or Reno Gattuso staying put or even the likes of Arsene Wenger being named this week. Of course, we will get no peace as AC Milan fans, plus a possible return of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which we will get into, and just a little bit of the recap of the team's recent form, that and more on this episode. Happy to be joined by my co-host, Tim Fontenot. Tim, how are you, buddy? Good to talk to you again. Yeah, definitely. I've missed you, man. It's been a while. It has been a while, and I'm, I'm glad to be back on it. Um, so let's get right into it. We, AC Milan are currently sitting in fourth place, 21 points, 11 matches played, six wins, three draws, two losses. All right. And just going over the goal differential real quick, 21 goals, four, which is as many as Napoli, uh, 14 goals against. And that is a seven goal differential, 21 points, which is level with Lazio, but we are ahead on goal difference. However, fourth place isn't going to stop anyone from questioning the never ending AC Milan coaching carousel, which has threatened to pick up yet again, because when in doubt, fire your manager, I guess. I thought we were done with that with the new ownership, but here we are. So, Reno Gattuso has had questions about his job since a month ago? Maybe even, I don't know, six weeks? As soon as Milan lost to Inter, there were questions. And then they lost to Real Batiste. And everyone was like, oh boy, here we go. Reno Gattuso is not going to make it to, I don't know, someone say he's not going to make it to Christmas, which I think they're getting Jose Mourinho and Reno Gattuso confused, but that's just me. And then Milan proceeded to crank out three consecutive wins and boost themselves into fourth place. So there's been a lot of talk about Reno Gattuso's job. There's been... Mention of Antonio Conte, but now he's more linked to Real Madrid, but no, he isn't, but yes, he is. Uh, and the whole thing with Chelsea is still going on, but no, it isn't, but yes, it is. And this week we get a brand new name, um, our our favorite, um, our favorite target, as you will, or at least if you if you check a couple podcasts ago on our playlist, then you will see one of our favorite targets. Um, Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger came up as a possible candidate to replace Reno Gattuso. And I'll ask you what you think first, 
because this was just an absolute shock to me, but I want to get your take on it before I launch into it. So what do you think about the rumors? Now, he, the, the Frenchman himself had something to say about it, but what do you think about the potential of Arsene Wenger, who said he will manage in 2019, possibly replacing Gattuso? Well, uh, I think it's uh, very shocking that <laughs> Arsene Wenger would be uh, linked with the uh, Jobe Milan. <laughs> but <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Look, it's <laughs> it's so weird. Um, first things first, um, to go back to, as you rightly pointed out, a weird fourth place in Syria, I think we can't really look past that very much. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm someone who, since this happened with the Genoa result in that weird, weird, amazing finish with Alessio Romagnoli, the first weird, amazing finish with Alessio Romagnoli. Um, he has a knack for that now. Oh, it's amazing. It's like he's and our best striker now. The Franco Baresi-approved captain, finally. I live for it. Uh, I think I'm going to be really smug about Milan being in fourth place right now because the first few weeks of the season – when you know they had those couple draws and they were down in the bottom half of the table, and when you're looking at the Serie A table, the points are really close together. I mean, as far down as 15th, you have you know Spall in 15th is only six points behind Sassuolo in six right now, so it's been very tight. And Milan were also one game behind everybody else because the first match of the season was postponed against Genoa, so. All these people are talking about, oh, well, where's Milan in the table? They're all the way down on the top, the bottom half. All they needed is to catch up on that one game, not drop games that they shouldn't have dropped. And boom, there you go. They're top four. That's all it took. And so I was just so annoyed about it. And now seeing them in fourth place, I'm going to revel in it. I'm going to say that there's still work to be done. But there is an opportunity right now to go out in these next few months and get a lot of points. And I think that's something that we really need to look at. They've been able to kind of right the ship. And we'll talk a little bit more about why in a little bit. But they're starting to get results that they really need. And I think after after November, they've got a really appealing December. And a really nice first game in January. Because after you play Juventus and after you go to Lazio this month... Then you get into the month of December, and you play Parma, Torino, both at home, Bologna away, home against Fiorentina, at Frosinone, and home against Spal. I see a lot of points right there. I like my odds. I do I like, too. Uh, yeah. I see, I see 18 points up for grabs, and I think if you get anything less than 14, that's, a, that's embarrassing. And but we know that this team is fully capable of only taking nine out of those. So yep. never boring. Never boring. But I think that the the recent signs have been positive. And I you know, so I don't see why the time would be now to make a change. And we're gonna be talking about a potential coaching change for a long time because the truth like we all know the truth. Leonardo, Maldini, this ownership group, they didn't this is Catuso's not their guy. They did not bring him in. They inherited him. So there's always going to be speculation about where he belongs in that. And, you know, 
with Ivan Gazidis coming in, who knows? Maybe he also believes Gattuso isn't the right guy. And, you know, a lot of people will probably agree. That's totally fair. But I don't know. I just I don't see it being Arsene Wenger. You know, him and, you know, he was naturally going to be linked with Gazidis coming in. They had a very solid relationship for a long time. Obviously, things didn't really end ceremoniously outside maybe that last two games at Arsenal for Wenger. But I don't know. I just I don't see this being the direction. I mean, sure, Wenger is going to go somewhere, and he's going to have a really successful time. But I'll tell you what, right now I'd bet a lot more money on him going to Monaco, where I don't see Thierry Henry lasting much longer, especially after what happened to them in the Champions League against American goalkeeper Ethan Horvath. Shout out. And his Belgian club. And he's he's probably going to be on a tight leash really soon too. So I, I would much, I'd be much more likely to see him go to France, I think. Or, you know, the Real Madrid job. I don't think that's as likely. But I, I don't think that Milan is anywhere high on that list. So I definitely agree with you that this would be a weird time to do it. And I, part part of this for me is that the news outlets are ramping up their international break stories uh, because we are a couple games away from, or excuse me, a couple days away from hitting the international break, which means there's nothing to talk about except for transfer rumors and coaches, right? So... For all we know, we might see Thierry Henry fired at Monaco over the international break, and then it'll be all about who goes in. Right now would be a really, in my opinion, would just be a bad time to get rid of Reno Gattuso. And I'll start here, and then I'll go into why I just don't think we should get rid of Gattuso, period. Milan have cranked out three consecutive league wins all right nine out of nine in terms of points that's a 3-2 win over Sampdoria a 2-1 win over Genoa which included the first Romagnoli savior moment and then the second Romagnoli savior moment against Udinese in the 90th plus nine right so regardless of the fact that we needed Alessio Romagnoli to step up for the fact that we have like one healthy striker on the team, right? Aside from that, the only thing that matters is that they won, right? It's not like I get the whole like you don't want to play ugly, like they're not performing well, that's not going to help us long term. But what does help us long term is three points, and exactly. they did that Thank three you. consecutive times. I know now if they were going to pull the trigger on it, they would have after losing to Inter and Real Betis back to back, which would have been a shockingly quick trigger finger because that came after one, two, three consecutive wins across all competitions and being unbeaten in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. So you do 8 unbeaten, and sure, there were draws, right? Cagliari 1-1, Atalanta 2-2, Empoli 1-1. 
not great. Those could have been, you know, they they should have had nine points from those, right? But they they did what AC Milan do in the modern day and snatched one point from the jaws of three. And, you know, here we are, right? If, if they had gotten those results, they would have nine points instead of three. So add six to what we have, which would have us in second place. So I don't want to get too much into the what ifs, but remember... Our only losses this season are Napoli, which we should have won because they collapsed. Inter, which, I mean, Mauro Icardi is doing this all season long. I don't know how, I don't know why people keep letting this happen, but he's now done it to Milan, he's done it to PSV, He's done it to Tottenham, and he's done it to Barcelona. He's done it to Maxi Lopez. He's done it to Maxi Lopez. I mean, just rack him up. Like, so it's not it's not great, but that is what you get when you play Mauro Icardi. So Inter and Napoli are two losses, and then we have a loss to Batiste. That's it. Those are the only losses we have this season. And all of a sudden, it becomes, oh, Gattuso out, Gattuso out. You've got to be out of your mind if you want Reno Gattuso. So what What are we going to do? If we get rid of Gattuso, we're going to bring in Arsene Wenger, who's never coached in Italy in his life? Who's never? I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but has he ever coached against Juventus? Like, ever? Like, what? Not that I can what recall. What are we going to do? So you're telling me, we're going to bring in a guy who's never coached in the league, who has no familiarity with any of these players or the organization or much less the country, right? He Does he speak Italian? I don't even, I mean, like, I get it. French is close to Italian, but like, he doesn't speak Italian. So you're going to bring in a guy who has no idea what he's doing. And you're going to hope that does what? You're going to hope that he basically gets you out of the group stage in Europa League, which, correct me if I'm wrong, they're still set to get out of the group, right? So you would hope that he would get you out of the group stage and hopefully into the round of, you know, past the, past the first round, so they do round of 32. So into the round of 16, right? That would be like an appropriate, like, okay, they did what they could. Um, and you would hope that he would, what? Get them to Champions League. Which, by the way, they are currently sitting in. They're currently in a <laughs> Champions League spot. And if they flipped with the person behind them, they would be in level points and they would be in the top Europa League spot. So I don't know why it's like, oh, we have to get rid of him. We have to get rid of him. Why do we have to get rid of Reno Gattuso? Someone needs to give me concrete reasons, all right? Like, okay, I get it. Is he the best manager in the world? No. No. No, he's not. But you know who AC Milan is not hiring tomorrow? Pep Guardiola. Zinedine Zidane, or, you know, 
I don't know, give me a third that you, you know, I'll, I'll leave the third up to personal choice because, you know, you can argue about who you like or what you want, but I'll take Antonio Conte at some point, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like I would take Antonio Conte, but I don't, I, I wouldn't fight. How many times has AC Milan fired their manager in just the middle of the season and basically like done the whole disaster recovery for the rest of the season thing? Exactly. And you know what? We're only 365 days out from that almost because we're talking about firing Gattuso right now. This is exactly when we fired Montella last season. And what happened when Gattuso took over? They had that really bad stretch right at the beginning where they were dropping points to Verona who got relegated to Benevento because a goalkeeper scored and then they got relegated. We couldn't buy a win. And this team was just in complete shambles because they got rid of Montella in the middle of November and just threw Gattuso in. And you know what? He had to go through growing pains. This is a guy who's still learning the top club coaching gig. And I get that's not exactly what you want, at this kind of club. But you know what? Like you said, we are still in a top four position. Like, there's no reason to be firing him right now. He hasn't done anything wrong. And he's starting to do something he hasn't done before. And that's changed the way the club plays because he sees that maybe what they were doing before isn't the best with what he has. So. Now you're starting to see him grow and become comfortable with changing the system. So I don't know why we would just blow it all up right now, especially this early in the season. There's still a lot lot of time left in this season. And they're at a point now where, like I said before, you get through these next two games, you navigate through this, you get maybe, you know, I'll take three points against Lazio and call it a day because who expects to beat Juventus? But, you know, maybe they're playing Manchester United this week. Maybe they're a little rusty. Um, you know, there's such an opportunity for points coming up. You don't play any of the – after Lazio, you don't play a big club again until you play Napoli at the end of January. And after that, there's still so many opportunities for points that, you know, and you have the potential for January reinforcements. Not a lot of them, but something that could help. So it just – it doesn't make any sense to me. Gattuso – has been working his you-know-what off, and he was the great unifier this team needed when he first came in, and we all rallied around him, and it just it doesn't make sense right now. Yeah, for me, it's one thing that I have realized is that the questions about Reno Gattuso's job are going to continue until he what? Until he brings them to the Champions League. That's what's that's what he needs to do. And that was widely agreed upon that that was the ceiling for AC Milan this season. So if he can bring them to fourth or third, I mean, I even had them in fifth this year, right? Everyone kind of has agreed from who who I've talked to is there the, the best season that AC Milan could put together possibly this season would be third. And the worst would be seventh. Or, you know, I mean, you could you could go into disaster mode and be like, oh my god, it's 10th or 12th or whatever. But There's a dangerous middle pack in Serie A right now. And I think that they've done a good job of getting ahead of that. And that's the thing. They've, they have only lost 
to teams that you would expect them to lose to. And that's going to happen against Juventus. Just warming it up now, it's fine. When we lose to Juventus, it's fine. All right? <laughs> that this even needs to be said is just yeah, insane. Which is shocking because I know you know exactly what's going to happen. Is oh my God, we can't beat Juventus, so we can't beat any of the top teams in Europe. Oh my God, we have to do... You know what? Maybe we should add a couple midfielders and then we can go at it again. And maybe if we get everyone healthy and stop getting injured, then we can maybe talk about competing with Napoli and Inter. But no one's touching Juventus. No, literally no one has touched Juventus yet. So everything, the whole thing about Gattuso is, if the whole point is get to the Champions League, which everyone has said that should be the goal, that's the ceiling, all right, some people have said our ceiling's third, some have said fourth, some said, you know, we don't belong in Champions League, right? Give Gattuso the chance to get there. Because if you fire him midseason, you know what he can't do? Get us to the Champions League. And then the ceiling for the next guy, because he has to get to know the players, he has to put he has to like assemble all the stuff together of people he's never ever ever worked with. There's no Arsenal member. It's not like our midfield is Aaron Ramsey, Jack Wilshire, and Granit Xhaka, where then Wenger could come in and be like, all right, well, here we go. Like, we know exactly what we're doing, right? It's not like Aubameyang's our strike. He's never worked with literally any of these players. Exactly. So you can't expect him. Yeah, you just can't bring him in. Because then, again, I have it in front of me. Allegri was sacked on January 13. So that, I mean, that it cancels out the rest of your year. Because then the rest of your year, you're like, all right, well, let's not finish too bad. And then you hope to get to, like, fourth or fifth. Seedorf was, um, Seedorf saw out the year. Pipo and Zaghi made it a whole year. Mihailovic was sacked in April. I still don't think Mihailovic should have been sacked. Montella was sacked on November 27. So, literally a year. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think Seydorf kind of got the short shaft too oh, at, the, at the club. I, I think because he really did a great job of navigating that club after the mess that was made with Allegri's firing. And, you know, we can talk about. I've always kind of felt like Allegri really fell off his last year or so at Milan and things just didn't go his way. But he also got put in some tough positions. And, you know, what? I'm, I just I, I've been like boiling a little bit thinking about what you said about Wenger's lack of qualifications to coach this club in Serie A right now. And I just I keep thinking about it, like thinking about this opportunity for points and the way they've only lost to the Napoli's and the Inters, the teams that are supposed to beat them. And one of my biggest gripes about Arsene Wenger at Arsenal was, especially in his later years, because obviously at the beginning he was brilliant and the Invincibles and all that stuff. But as the years wore on, we just started seeing what we were looking at as the most Arsenal performances ever, where they would go on the road to places like Brighton, and Huddersfield, and Burnley, and 
Bournemouth at places, I don't know what their exact record's worth, those places, but places where they should always win because they're Arsenal and they have Wenger and they have the talent and they would just waste every single opportunity and they would drop point after point after point until Tottenham were ahead of them. And that just kept happening year after year. And that same kind of philosophy, I feel like, hurt people like Montella and Mihalovic and Allegri who thought that they could go away in Serie A to some of these smaller clubs and get away with just having the colors on the shirt. And they they got punished for it all the time. And then, you know, we're talking about the turnover year after year after year. There's just no way to build. How is Gattuso supposed to build when... He's under, like, how, how is this club supposed to ever get to where they're supposed to go if we just keep sacking the manager? It's not how it works. You just, like, you can't expect that process to eventually play out in a positive way if you're not going to give people the opportunity to do what needs to be done. Yeah, I, I just don't, I, I, I've never understood the quick trigger finger thing unless... I mean, Montella last year, I mean, the, the writing was on the wall when it was just disaster result after di- If you are not beating the teams you should and you're getting blown out of the water by teams you know you're going to lose to, and for example, for Montella, he never started the same starting 11 and the same formation, period, in, in the beginning of last season. All right, that's a reason. What isn't a reason is you have lost two... Okay, the entire season you've lost three games by a total of three goals. All right? You have drawn three games. You've scored 21 goals, which is as much as Inter has. All right? That's good for second best in the league. Tied. And going into this week... They were second. They were uh, they were only behind Juventus, and then Napoli and Inter had their five goal games against teams that are absolutely diabolical right now. Also, short leashes. Empoli and Genoa. Genoa should have never sacked their coach. Empoli, eh. But the Italian short leash is the most unbelievable thing. The the thing is, it's it's always a matter of. If you are going to replace your manager, and this goes for like all sports. So this goes in the baseball thing. For example, just real quick, and I know we're not here to talk about baseball, but Red I'm, Sox. In the, I'm yeah, right. I'm in the <laughs> Washington area. And at the end of last season, the Nationals lost again in the playoffs. And what they did was they fired Dusty Baker because they said, you know what? We're not getting it done in the playoffs. And clearly, it's just not going to happen with him. They replaced him with a rookie manager who then did worse, and they didn't make the playoffs. And one of the questions was, why did you replace someone who was working and just needed to get over the hump with someone who hasn't done it before? Was it re- Why would you change if you're not upgrading? This goes for all sports. If you're going to replace your manager, especially in the middle of a season, which happens so much in soccer because people just want the change and 
it, soccer is a little different because you can implement a whole different style of play, whole different mentality. Like, 11 players can play completely differently, right? I get it. But you have to tell me there's a legitimate upgrade. And without saying the name Antonio Conte, who is available right now? Who's an upgrade? Do, 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 do. My point. And while you're thinking about that, people at home, I just I want to go back to your Nationals point because I think that there's a longer play that is an important parallel. I think about the way a team would turn over like that with going from someone who is doing a good job and knows what they're doing but just needs that chance to get over the hump. And when you become even more of a mess like that, how often have we worried with this club about someone like Suso or Romagnoli or a player like that being pulled away and going off to a bigger and better thing? The Nationals were an absolute mess this year. And now on the we're hearing on the last day of the season, their star player Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper turned down a $30 million contract and is now likely out the door to either a division rival or another possible contender in the national league what an absolute mess that is for washington and yeah i mean that that's a whole mess in itself but that i mean that's even been brewing for years but so i i pulled up on transfer market list of available managers right now right and this is just an order of available since and points per match Lopetegui, <laughs> Zinedine Zidane, who retired, and you're not getting him to start his car for, like, <laughs> he's not, just don't, like, we are more likely to get Lopetegui than Zidane, yeah. and we're not getting Lopetegui, just because I don't even want that that dumpster fire, I don't, I don't want any parts of it. How do you lose the two biggest jobs in Spain? In four months. the span of three, yeah. yeah, exactly. In four months, like you just got yeah. there. Um, Conte, Wenger, Peter Bosch, Laurent Blanc, and then you get into Peter Stoger, Ralph Hasenhutl, uh, Big Sam Allardyce, <laughs> and Leonardo Jardim. Who apparently is on his way to Real Madrid. Oh, I haven't even heard that, but I, I believe I, I it. I saw something about it. I saw Leonardo Jardim mentioned in the same sentence as Real Madrid, and my mind just started spinning. And Sinisa Mihailovic is currently a free agent manager. Oh, yeah, so, because of that amazing time. Because sporting, of that cool, uh, good old time, the the uh, the wonderfully run organization. If you think AC Milan was in bad shape this <laughs> summer, you should check out Sporting Club de Portugal, because, oh, man. So yeah. just, like... I would not take. I, I don't want Big Sam. I'll tell you no. that right now. We could just. I, I've, also, like Everton over here, I would rather jump off a bridge than have <laughs> Sam Allardyce appointed. Yeah, see, pass. So, like, and Jonathan Johnson, reporter for ESPN FC, he covers French football. Great guy. He's awesome. He yeah, reported. Very happy to know he him. He reported a couple weeks ago that. Arsene Wenger and PSG have mutual interest in him as technical director. So why would Arsene Wenger go to AC Milan to coach when he could just go to PSG, make God amounts of money, and win every single year? 
Like, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. So I think that would also be the coolest thing because then you'd have Arsene Wenger working with the man who was apparently supposed to be his heir apparent at Arsenal, which was Thomas Tuchel. I love that narrative. I'm all for it. See, I it's just Wenger doesn't make any sense to me. And I Milan already end up playing to the level of their competition sometimes, and I don't need them to play to the level of competition to the extent that Arsenal did for the last five years of Wenger, which was the entire thing, was they played to the level of their competition, dropped points, and then when they came up against the big boys, they got schlacked. They lost to Bayern 8-0 on aggregate. What? Yeah. <laughs> How does that... Our goal differential against Juventus last year was not 8 to nothing. It wasn't good, but it wasn't eight to nothing. So like it's it's the I I understand that you can say, look, Conte is objectively a better manager than Gattuso. Fine. That's fine. You can say, look, I don't know why Laurent Blanc doesn't have a job. He would be a better choice than Conte or uh, not than Conte, than Gattuso. Okay, I get it. There are people available. Zinedine Zidane doesn't have a job right now because he doesn't feel like it. All right? So just because, one, you would have to upgrade. And whoever they're bringing in, if they fire Gattuso tomorrow and they bring in someone, I guarantee you it is he is not going to be in a better position than Reno Gattuso is today. Reno Gattuso knows these players. He, I feel like he's still... He's still learning the best way to manage, but he knows what he's doing, unlike Montella, who clearly had no idea what he was working with. That is the difference. Montella had 11 new players and tried to include all of them and didn't know how to do it. Gattuso knows these players now. He has the benefit of working with them for longer. If you fire a manager, he needs to learn what the new guy needs to learn what to do and then he has to do basically reset all summer do we want to hit the reset button again we've been doing it every year we've been doing it since 2013 like i don't want we finally have stability in upper management and in ownership why would we right now press the abort button on a season that quite frankly is not going as bad as people think it is i know that we're not like shocker we're not pulling away from the league like juventus we're 10 points behind juve all right that's all right you know who's close to juve no one all right you know who's close in the standings it's currently inter and napoli on 25 the closest to juve is six points back like it's okay that we're not the expectations of this season were never to be Juventus. So let's just, let's ride the momentum that we're currently on. The ride that we are currently on has us in fourth. Let's stay there. That said, we have a brutal stretch coming up before we get to December. We have Batiste, which we should be able to win, but they won the fixture 
in Milan, which was the one we needed to win. Um, and then we have Juve, and then we have Lazio. The most important game is Lazio. That's a six-point game. Yes, absolutely. So Juve, you can just chalk it up now. We know what's going to happen. It's going to be a 2-0 loss, and we're going to get played out of the park. All right? It's just I'm trying to be a realist here. I'm not trying to be a pessimist. I would love to see the shock 1-0 result, right? I would love to see the shock 1-0 win with Pepita Higuain scoring and celebrating in front of the Like, I want that. But I also have trained myself to not get my hopes up anymore. So <laughs> I'm prepared for the 2 or 3-0 loss. I am prepared to get absolutely bodied on counterattack after we get crushed by Juventus. I'm ready for it. I've already been sustaining things such as, oh, we're only 10 points back of Juventus. Great. I know. We're not We're not even in the same league. So Lazio is the most important. But then, like you said, we have Dudelange at home, Parma at home, Torino at home, Olympiacos in Greece, Bologna away, Fiorentina at home, Frosinone away, Spal home, and then the Supercopa, which is also against Juventus, but we won that last year. So, you know, we can, I mean, we can dream. We can dream for that. It's a one-off. Um, if it's even played, apparently there's talk because it's, apparently it's in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so, which sounds like a good idea. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. Busy December then, already. Let's just not play it. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, I mean, that's in the new year. And then we have Genoa. And then you start going through the fixtures that we've already had. So, like, Napoli, Roma, because it's the same order, right? Circle on your calendars, March 17th is the home intergame. Best St. Patrick's Day ever. Oh, yeah. Talking to the right guy. <laughs> so up until, like you said, up until the new year, like we have this rough stretch of games until right after Thanksgiving, which thank God there was an international break in between there because, oh, my God, does this team need that international break? We really need this international break, and we need no one to get called up so that they can just like get healthy. Because I am tired of Caldara being injured. The fact that Higuain pulled up with an injury, not great. We finally have Conti back, and which means he's going to get injured against Real Batiste, and then he's going to be gone again. Like, or Matt Miazga is going to body him in that international friendly. Oh, I hope not. I we we can't be having that. Um, but I I mean that's my thing. When I saw the Wenger things, that was very much a boil over moment for me because I was like, there's no reason that we have to pull the trigger on Gattuso this season. One, two, now three for Wenger. All right. So I I just don't. And the fact that Wenger came on Being Sports today, and I saw it on Twitter, he said it's not true. All right? So I am good with that just ending. As did Roberto Donadani 
when he was linked a couple weeks ago. And I think that would be the only other name of note. And again, no, like if it's it, the only one that makes sense for me is Conte. And honestly, I don't want to do it mid season. No. I just don't want to do it mid season because no one benefits from that. I get the whole like disaster control thing, but we're not in disaster control. We're in fourth place. So we're going to be okay. I have faith in Gattuso. He knows the players. He clearly has them working harder than they worked before, period. Because he's Gattuso. Because he is Reno Gattuso. And is he the best tactically? No. We knew this. Like, we got it. Like, we're, we're not expecting pep tactics here, right? But he's not Vincenzo Montella mess so i support gattuso i was really hoping that some results were going to turn his way you know in that stretch of three draws where we were like where people were like oh my god gattuso out it's like all right well i sure hope we get a win so that people can stop with that and then they cranked out a couple in a row so here we are so that's the whole gattuso wenger thing um, there are a couple more things that we should get to. Uh, that I mean, obviously, that's the big one, considering our recent form and whether we're going to retain our manager or not in spite of that. Um, we'll start with this. This has been going on for a couple weeks now where there are rumors about Zlatan Ibrahimovic potentially returning to Milan because the LA Galaxy season ended in their minds prematurely and the rest of our minds probably right about where it should have. Oh, it should have been ended way before that too. Yeah, I mean, they they deserved what happened. Least of I all mean, because I, I was super biased because I predicted RSL to make the MLS Cup final. You uh, did too? I did. In I January, and yeah, I have yeah. the receipt, and it's yeah. Awesome. I'm so excited. Let's do it. <laughs> it's yeah. No, I I also thought that RSL was going. My my MLS Cup predictions at the beginning of the MLS season are just a shocker. Um, I mean, I had RSL Toronto. Yeah, I had RSL Atlanta, and I really don't want the latter to come true. I just don't like. I my semifinal was Toronto Atlanta, and I thought that because that's what kind of everyone wanted to be last year. And I wanted that to happen. And then I figured Toronto was really good. And um, well, that did not happen, (laughs) but um, one half of it is still alive and somehow it's still, still alive. So like, you know, here we are, but Zlatan Ibrahimovic and the LA Galaxy, their season's over. They didn't make the playoffs. They're on vacation. So naturally, there are rumors that Zlatan could come back to Milan. There are reports about negotiations already, too. That um, Also, he's being called a talisman of the <laughs> LA Galaxy. Which, I, I mean, if he's the talisman of the LA Galaxy, does that mean Wayne Rooney is the talisman of dc united because i really don't like using talisman that i don't know 
that easily. <laughs> I like Kylian Mbappe is a talisman. Or like I don't I think of that as a very high, like distinct thing instead of saying like, oh, the talisman of the LA Galaxy. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which we already knew was really good. Like, this isn't that. So, of course, since we have the PT Higuain stabilizing our striker position for the first time since Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and we have Patrick Cutrone, the future striker who will be the greatest striker since, pick whoever you want to put in that spot. I'm not going to fill in that. I'm not going to fill in that blank. Pato? Like that Ibra Pato? Pato? Yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, you could jump further. You can jump further and say Catrone is going to be the best since Inzaghi, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to anoint him, but like, he's working on that himself. So we have the now and the then, right? So where does Ibra fit in? Um, since Pepita Higuain just pulled up with an injury um and i hope it's not serious um i i mean i don't know what wage demands zlatan is going to have i just don't i i don't know what that amount is um simply because it's it's weird because mls just pays differently right like people take discounts but the merchandising but we know what Zlatan is, but also, what if he gets hurt? I guess then you're kind of just where you were before, but, you know, you don't want to upset the apple cart, but he's Zlatan. Like, I, I just don't, I don't know where I land on this, because we had a striker who, correct me if I'm wrong, is he one of the leading scorers in Spain right now? I don't want to think about him. It hurts. See, that's that's the problem. Is we're talking about oh, AC Milan needs striker support. It's like oh well, I wonder who could do that for us. Like great, here we are. Like th this again. This is that feeling again, <laughs> which I hate because we had someone like that, and it's it's the Abumyang thing again, and it's killing me because I. Thought we were past this, but here we are. Remember when we got rid of Obama Yang? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that was fun. Remember when Andre Silva didn't get like a game for Milan instead of Nikola Kajanic, and uh now he's the leading scorer in Spain. Let's talk about better things. Remember when Kalinic got kicked off the World Cup roster? Yeah, that was fun. I don't know how I don't know how or why he's at Atletico Madrid either. But anyway, so Zlatan, I would take him, but it it feels weird because I'm not jumping all over it, right? Because like he's not going to play on artificial surfaces. That's not an issue in Italy. But like we kind of need the striker help. But does but does it need to be Zlatan? I just, it, it feels weird because I feel like I should be like, yeah, sign me up. But like, I don't feel like I would take Wayne Rooney 
Maybe I would. Like, I just don't. Wayne Rooney's not going anywhere also. Well, no, he's not. But, like, for I'm example. I'm pretty sure that if he ever left, Lucho Acosta would be that rom-com dude running through the airport trying to stop him. Oh, 100%. But, like, for example, if the name was switched, right? If the name was Wayne Rooney instead of Zlatan, I don't. Like, nostalgia aside, like, I get it. Zlatan, the return, right? But we need a, we, we can use the striker help. And, like, what if he comes in and just does what he does? But it, it's, again, like, he's old. I have legitimate concerns about his health. And forgive me for saying this, but I would take Mario Balotelli first. So... I but I mean I'll I'll take I'll take Slaton obviously because he's Slaton like that's just who he like yeah but I'm not going to be bent out of shape but you know who would have been a good third striker option this year Andre Silva also Gianluca Lapadula yeah yep. yeah here we are again uh, I yep. mean you know who fits the third striker role perfectly Lapadula yeah. yeah. like here we are look I. I tweeted during the game the other day. It was when um, when the site followed them on Twitter, at SBN Rosanero. Uh, they tweeted about the substitution in the 34th minute. Castillo came on because Iguain was forced off with a back injury. And I said Iguain being forced off and being replaced by a winger in a 4-4-2 is a great argument for why Milan need Ibrahimovic in January. I've kind of been hitting the nostalgia button and been all for this Ibrahimovic idea. Again, don't know what kind of pay that would require. It was really weird to see him go to MLS and not get one of those designated player spots. And they bought him down with Tam, which I know for our non-MLS listeners is going to get really confusing really quick, so I'm not going there. Yeah, no, um, pass. It's confusing so, for your MLS listeners as well. Oh, for That's sure. That's the thing is it's confusing yeah. to everybody. So, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's, what, 37 years old or going to be 37 years old, coming who was coming off a torn ACL, who went to a league that he was always going to be very, very above the grain at uh, or just dominate. And look, he came to this league because he knew he'd be able to put on a show both on and off the pitch. And it was brilliant for him. I don't like, I could see reasons for him to want to leave because for anyone who watched MLS this season, the galaxy were absolutely abysmal. They were nowhere near the worst team in the league. Shout out to my love Orlando city and also San Jose earthquakes. Uh, But there was nothing to get you excited about that team outside of him. And so, but if they give him some sort of promise that, hey, we're going to turn this thing around, we're going to put it in the right direction, I don't see why he would want to leave L.A. Like, he, he can very much be himself here. And, you know, I think he really enjoyed being able to walk around L.A. and not have to, you know, he would have people coming up to him. and But he talked about it, like they were very respectful of him and, would just like want a picture and he wanted to take a picture with them. And that, that that's his life here and he's happy. And I don't know. It just, it doesn't make sense to me that he would want to leave already. Like, unless it's all about the winning, which I mean, for him, he's, he's always been a winner. He's 
always wanted to win wherever he goes. But <laughs> where besides Milan would he go? I, I, I just don't know. So, again, they need another striker, especially if they're going to be playing a 4-4-2 because, you know, the way Gattuso was talking after the match where he, you know, he was talking about how he brought on Cassiello and he finally moved him out wide and brought Suso in. And he was talking about how, oh, when I first came here, like I couldn't really do that with Suso because you couldn't really move him in as a second striker. And like, it was, it was weird for me to read that stuff. So they need someone. And, you know, one name that has kept coming to mind for me throughout the year or throughout the start of the season has been Francesco Caputo. I think he'd be a great third option as a striker. You know, he's just the wrong side of 30. You know, he's he's scoring the goals. He scored against Milan, of course, from the penalty spot. Uh, he's definitely going to be available to some Serie A club, be it Milan looking for a third third option or be it a smaller club like a Bologna or a, someone like that when Empoli probably get relegated. You know. Um, so, but then who else? Like, Kevin Lasagna is not going to move for the opportunity to rotate with Cutrone when he's the star man in Udinese. I don't think at least you're, you're not getting a player like Christoph Piatek. So I don't know. Andrea Bellotti. Yes. Who I would take in a heartbeat, but I mean, he has health concerns, but he is also 24. Um, and, and is nowhere near as expensive as he would have been two years ago. Oh my god! Two years ago, he was going to be like a hundred million. Yeah, now that's the thing is, I kind of solid, forgot about him. He's a solid fifty million. You're like if you give a hundred, well, if you give a hundred, you'll definitely get him. If you give like fifty or sixty, I mean, he's yours. So, I mean, I would, I would take Bellotti. I would take Balotelli. And then, you know, you mentioned some of those other, and, like, we're not getting Piantec. Like, it's just not going to, he's going to go to some humongous club. He, I mean, he's this year's Bellotti. Like, that's just kind of how this is. This works. He's on a three-year track to Juventus if it takes that long. Oh, God. I know. Here we go. I had to go yeah. there. Here we go. Yeah, that's the thing is, shocker, Juve at it again so i mean i would obviously obviously there are longer term solution like especially like think about it if we're going to play a 4-4-2 right which we can get into a little bit if we're going to play two strikers and that's something that works right why would we not pursue someone younger because latan is a band-aid that's what he is he is the Balotelli in 2012, he is, um, I mean, he's just going to come in. He's going to score some goals. Like, that's, I mean, I would assume, unless he gets hurt, he's going to score some goals just because he ends up doing that. And he will make things out of nothing. And you will get a highlight reel from him. And then he goes back to the galaxy? Or I could see that like a Beckham thing retires. Like I, I was under the impression that was what it was going to be. It was, he was just going to be alone, but in which case does he go at the start of the major league soccer season? Does he come back 
in at the end of the Milan season? Does he come and go back in that weird July date that MLS had? Like, yeah, I that's what know. I thought. But then I saw some sort of report that apparently our dear friend Ryola was working on a buyout of his contract or getting it terminated, something like that. The way the way things went down at like Manchester United almost. I don't know. I don't even. Yeah, I I just It's silly I season. Would, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, exactly. And the thing is we get to hear about this all international break again. Um and it's going to keep going. It's going to happen until the transfer window in January is over and they don't buy. Him. And another thing just real quick before we move on to the last thing if we're in the business of buying players in January, I would rather buy a good midfielder instead of an aging striker. Say it with me now. Purchase midfielders. What does a man have to do to get, like, I did... And like I've been saying this for, I think, six months now. But follow me here. If Zidane stayed at Madrid, Ceballos was out the door, is what I've read. He was gone because he wasn't being used. And he wanted playing time. And Ceballos knows that he's good. In which case... By a lot of accounts, it sounds like Milan was going to be in for him. Can we just renew that interest a little bit? Please. Like, I, our lineups in midfield, now that Bilia is also injured, is starting to get a little frightening. Especially because we are playing a 4-4-2. Alright, if you're telling me that we are actually going to start I'm pulling up the lineup here. Let's get the most recent lineup against Udinese. I believe it was Kessier and Bakayoko. It was Lakshalt, Bakayoko, Kessie, Suso. And Lakshalt came out, it appears, for Barini. And that was laid on, I think. Yeah, they were trying to just get a little more going to goal, which yeah. God, and we're saying that about Barini. Which Barini, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, why? And so, okay, here's here's my thing. Kessie, fine, good. Lackshall, I'm a big fan. I love him, especially Suso, now. I am such a fan of Lackshall. He is. He was such a good purchase, and. The fact that he was only seven million because they hadn't paid the eleven million for Lapadula yet, meaning oh, yeah. we only had to pay seven mil like that is the bargain that is a Bonaventura level bargain. Which is which remains reminder, we got Bonaventura for like six million. So I also want to just acknowledge one thing that I've read, which is Montalivo could be back in the mix because of all the injuries. <sighs> in which case I quit. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> we're not doing that. We cannot have Mr. Longball chuck it up and hope it works and Mr. Take a shot out for a throw-in Montalivo. And, like, that is the way... If you want to lose many, many points and just drop... You want to get, you want your job to be in jeopardy. Starting Ricardo Montalivo is how you get your job in jeopardy. And I would rather see Bertolacci. I'd rather see Jose Mauri. I'd Players rather that see, I forgot were here. <laughs> yeah, who are somehow still here? Which again, we're talking. You know, if only we had a young midfielder who could step in in place of Billy, because we knew this was going to happen. No one thought that Bilia was going to make it through the whole season without getting injured, right? So why did Locatelli go again? I exactly internal. So I'm just saying exactly. I'd rather just get we need a midfielder or two and one more winger so we don't have to play Barini again in the year of our Lord 2018 or 19. so, like, a winger and one or two midfielders, I would do that as well as a striker, but I would prioritize those just because our dropping quality is more drastic. Because at least we still have Cutrone, but I, I just can't see Barini anymore, man. I, I know. I'd also, I just looked at this. It just popped into my head while we're talking about our priority should be a midfielder. If we get into a pinch with a forward, there's a kid down with the Primaveras who's he's been with the first team a little bit. He was with them in the summer. Uh, I'll never say his last name correctly, but Frank Zaju, Tzaju, who four goals in five appearances with the Primavera. Obviously, a different age level, but hey, I he's been on the bench a couple times in Syria so far this season. He was there against Cagliari. He was there against Atalanta. They clearly have their eye on him. At some point, if you're, if you need to pull someone up, do that because might as well just. I'll tell you what. It. I'm sick of seeing our young strikers in the Primaveras go off go and score else. goals for Arsenal and do all other great sorts of things and go be stars at other Serie A clubs because I'm. I'm done with it. So at least, at least play him. Give him the Brian Cristante treatment before you send them off. Yeah, that, well, that didn't go well either. That. No, 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 no. Tazu. Tazu? Zazu? I don't know. I want to say Zazu. Shout out Lion King. Zazu? Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, he's 19, and, I mean,. He probably, I mean, if he's 19, I mean, God knows, he's probably good friends with Cutrone. Yeah. So, I mean, that might be good. But, I mean, at this point, as long as we don't have to see Barini or Montalivo, we're set. So, last thing before we go is the Super League thing. And for context, um, there have been some leaks some hacks fifa got hacked again and which is hilarious that again in the year of our lord 2018 
we're still like the largest governing sports body in the world, literally of the world, is getting hacked for not the first time. Um, and German newspaper Der Spiegel had some of the documentation. And if they don't win every sports journalism award this year, oh my god, my they've goodness. been all over it. So remember the whole European Super League thing? Well, it's back. And apparently, this is like a memo sheet. I'm looking at it now. It's also on our website, acmilan.theoffside.com. And it's a term sheet, but it looks like a memo cover sheet kind of thing. And it says, Made in Madrid, November 2018, between, and there are 11 teams here, Real Madrid, FC Barcelona, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Juventus, Chelsea, Arsenal, PSG, Manchester City, Liverpool, and AC Milan, which will be addressed as the founders of said Super League. And basically what it is, is it would pull these 11 teams out of their domestic competitions into the Super League. There would be a group stage and then with four groups of four and the winners of the groups would play each other. Uh, obviously, you have 11. The other five would be filled in by guests or like invitationals um, of which they would be Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Olympic Marseille, Roma, and Inter. Um, you can ask questions if you want about whether Roma or Marseille belong. Marseille, I mean, if you're going French teams, yeah. Uh, Roma, you could debate whether that should be Napoli. You can debate, uh, like, you can argue, but those are the teams that have reportedly, according to these leaks and documentation and all that, have been in at least some sort of discussion or negotiation about a Super League. And... And the, what I've read is that basically the founders would get 20 years guaranteed in said Super League, and I have no idea how the guests would work. Apparently, from what I was just reading, it says, um, so it mentions the founders, as you said, then it mentions the next five. It also mentions a second league of teams that could face those initial guests for a chance of promotion to the Super League. So it sounds... Like there, it almost like there would be a super league qualifying phase. That's what I'm reading. I'm the story I'm reading. So I I suppose I mean I mean if you think about it, that would include probably Lazio, Lyon, Schalke. Tot were Napoli mentioned Tottenham and let's say Napoli that's another five yeah but then you also get into like Valencia Sevilla like how it the thing okay so there are a couple moving parts to this how where do you draw the line right 
And for me, if you're going to say Super League, right, you're going to take the biggest teams out of every league, out of, let's stick with the top five, right? You're going to take the top five leagues, you're going to pluck the biggest teams from them, and you're going to put them in one big league, right? Though it sounds like they would still play in their domestic leagues, but this would be kind of replacing the Champions League. Okay. See, I... Is how I'm... Huh. Because I... I don't know. I mean, I could have read it wrong. I've heard just multiple people talking about it. So, I was under the... So, if they still play and this is the Champions League, so you're guaranteed that these guys will always play each other, but then what's the point of people doing well in their domestic leagues? Right. That's why... Because, like, there's no carrot anymore because the top three... So, we'll get back to that in a second because that's just putting me in a mental pretzel. Um, And, okay. If you were to say, take the biggest teams out of each league, right? You would say England is City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham. If you were to say Spain, so we're at six right now, Spain is uh, Madrid, Atleti, and Barca. Uh, if you, and then Italy, you would say, I would say the top six. I would say Juve, Milan, Inter, Napoli, Roma, Lazio. So now we're at 15. Uh, and then Germany, let's throw in two which is Dortmund and Bayern. And then the last one is France, which you can go PSG, Marseille, and Lyon. Let's just go with that, right? So you just got 20. Right. That doesn't include, you know, you can sell me Sevilla, Valencia, and Schalke. So if you were to include those three, you'd have 23. I do just want to confirm real quick. I'm looking at another story, and according to Der Spiegel, the 16-team Super League would replace the Champions League from 2021. Okay. So okay, so they still do play. Yeah, It's just weird because then what's the carrot for finishing well? What's, what is the encouragement for a team like Sassuolo – because they're not going to get into said Champions League, Super League, Europe League, whatever, Nations League. I mean, Jesus, I have no idea what you call it. Um, Maybe at this point, Europa League becomes the top flight UEFA branded competition. Well, because UEFA just... was also planning to do a third one. Because they were planning to take what? Everyone from seventh makes it now, right? So then they Maybe they can to... call it something weird like the Intertoto Cup or something. I don't know. Yeah, or the Carabao <laughs> Cup or something. Um, so I just don't... Like, if you were to take the biggest teams out of each one, my thing... One of the things about the Super League that always kind of... Like, I question is where do you draw the line? Like, do you put... And I'm just going to use Spain because this is the easiest example for me, right? Is obviously the best three in Spain are Madrid, Barca, and Atleti. And then underneath that, you have a tier of 
Sevilla, and Valencia. So those are your five, right? But there's a clear line between that top three, and there's even a clear line underneath Barca and above Atletico Madrid. So you have Real Madrid and Barca are your top two, obviously. Then you have a gap, and then you have Atleti, and then you have another gap, and then you have Sevilla and Valencia. Where's the line? Because according to this document, that line is Madrid and Barca. That's it. Because you're putting Atleti, one of the best teams in Europe, and this applies to Dortmund too, those are guests. So those are below the line, right? And then Sevilla and Valencia are just like, screw, right? Even though they pretty much make the Champions League every single year. Um, and my other, so that's one of the things is where do you draw the line? And that's just something that they determine based on money. And that's the only thing they care about. And that's the reason this exists. And that's the reason anyone wants this is money. And I get, you can get eyeballs on it. And it would be cool. And hooray, these guys play each other all the time. But guess what that is? That's the Champions League. That's what this is. It's the Champions League without Luda Goretz and Fate Borisov. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, without without Group D. I mean, someone saw Group D this year, which, for those of you wondering at home, is Porto, Schalke, Galatasaray, and Lokomotiv Moscow, which means two of those teams are going into the knockout round. This, the Super League, would just ensure that you never get that. Now, if you're talking Champions League, it would be weird to have the Champions League without Porto. Call me weird. It would be weird to not have Porto in a European competition. They're just, it's just one of those things. I don't care about CSKA Moscow. I don't care about Locomotive Moscow. But Porto is one of those teams now that is just perpetually there. Celtic was before they changed the format. And uh, like, that's another thing. Do you include the Scottish teams? Do you include Rangers and Celtic? They're going to get crushed. But, I mean, they're the two biggest in Scotland, and, like, that's a thing. Do, do you expand to, I mean, do they talk about Brazil and Argentina? Because do you go beyond River and Boca? No. But, you know, where's the line? But also, and this is just from a strictly Italian football perspective, Right. The Super League, from an Italian football perspective, cannot happen if Inter isn't in it. Because as much as we make fun of them, and as much as we blast them, and as much as we hate them, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably hate them too, right? That's, I mean, if if you're a Rossonero, you hate our cousins next door, like, that we share the building with, right? We're, we get it, right? They used to be our family until 1907. The biggest rivalry in Italy is AC Milan versus Inter Milan. The, one of the biggest derbies in the world is AC Milan, Inter Milan. One of the best rivalries on earth, right? It is up there with, I mean, you know, it can be mentioned in the same breath as Celtic and Rangers, as 
Boca and River, as, you know, Madrid-Barca, etc. right? Best rivalries, best derbies, whatever. Without question. You cannot start talking about a Super League. And basically what they did here was say, oh, and Inter. I hope that an Inter fan would say the same about AC Milan, but I'll be I'll try and be cool and like take the high ground, I guess. I don't know. You can't say, okay, we're gonna take the best from we're gonna take the biggest, most historic clubs from each country, and then you're going to stop in Italy before you get to Inter. And then you're going to say, oh, Inter will be one of the guests, as will Roma. Because there's a gulf between Inter and Roma, and it doesn't feel right that those two have been grouped into the same place. That was one thing. You grouped Marseille, Inter, and Roma in the same group. And that just doesn't feel right. And it doesn't feel right that I'm defending Inter either. But No, it never will. And of course, in our Serie A preview, I think both of us projected them second or maybe you said napoli second um i i honestly at one point when i was predicting this season i had them as the title favorite um there's you have to look at them and admire what they've done and this is also a team that we all need to sit here and recognize that is less than a decade separated from winning the champions league i mean inter are that massive club so look i I'm of, I thought I was of two minds of this. I'm probably of like seven minds when it comes to the Super League because there's so many different ways to approach it. Like you just said, as an Italian soccer fan, there's no way this thing can get off the ground without Inter. It just doesn't make sense. As a pure football fan, as a soccer fan, as someone who loves the game everywhere, it just seems like you're de-incentivizing domestic football at every level doesn't matter if it's just in england it's everywhere what brings more joy than seeing a club like red star belgrade qualify for the champions league and then they have the opportunity opportunity to do what they did on tuesday and beat liverpool the way they did that was incredible um it just that that part is icky to me I, and I don't like it, and I never will like it. I don't like that it's all about the money. and But that's just the reality of the world we live in. I'm a big college sports fan. I'm a diehard UConn Husky, so I know this is, this is very close to home for me as someone who's watching his teams play in the American Athletic Conference now because the big football schools is where the money is, and we don't have that. So... I, I sympathize, but there's also the very selfish Milan fan in me who has really not had a lot of fun over the last few years and has been watching a steady decline since 2007, even in the months before they won the Champions League in that year that is now 11 years ago. Um, I, yeah, I, uh, I just, I looked at it and I don't know. I just. It's pretty cool that it was like Real Madrid, Barcelona, you know, 
Bayern Munich, Juventus, and AC Milan. It's like, hey, we made it into the conversation still. But and it's like, oh, Inter still, isn't here. <laughs> that's still who we are because I saw something today and it really it caught my eye. Um, if you go to, not just plugging it because it's my site, if you go to ESPNFC.com, there is a European fan club power rankings posted. Uh, and it's ESPNFC crunched the numbers and they looked at the top 15 clubs based on support in the world. So you start scrolling down, you see some of the big clubs. Manchester United didn't even make the top 10. They're number 11. You get down to number 9 is Liverpool. Number 8 is Juventus. Number 7 is Milan. And I, I, there's a little, there's a little snippet underneath it that says Milan have 105 fan groups running in 49 countries around the globe, plus a whopping 651 in Italy, thus giving them 756 in all. That's more than 100 for each of the seven times they have been crowned champions of Europe. This is a global brand. This is a European elite, despite the last 11 years. This is a club that is a no-brainer when it comes to this sort of league. And if this league is going to be the future, we can talk about the romanticism of it, how, oh man, this would be terrible for football in general. And that's very much a part of me is pulling that way. But there's a whole other part of me that bleeds red and black that says, get me on board. Because if this is the future... If this is the boat that's going to be floating, this is where I want to be because this is where the money is. This is where the exposure is. This is where the TV eyes are or computer streaming eyes, whatever. This is where you have to be if you're this club because you've been living in the shadow of Juventus and to a smaller extent of Napoli and Inter and even in some cases Roma over the last few years, just based on your domestic and European success. You have an opportunity now to use your global brand and the history that you've built up as the second most winningest club in European history, as a giant in this sport, one of the trailblazers for dominance in this game. You finally, once again, have a chance to use that as a weapon and a bargaining chip and you better damn well use it. Yeah, I when one of the one of the things about the whole Super League before we wrap up was, I was afraid that when they were talking about this Super League, I was legitimately afraid that like Milan would miss the boat because we've been down, and I mean we haven't been in the Champions League, we haven't won the Champions League. I mean the furthest club to make. The most recent club that has made it the furthest in the Champions League from Italy was Roma. Yeah. Think about that. And that was not right? a great team. I don't care what and anyone no, says. That was It was not that good of a team. But they came close. Like startlingly close to making the Champions League final. They were not that far away from the final, which is one of the most shocking things to the, like, I'm waiting on the 30 for 30 on that Roman team <laughs> still. But 
think about that, that if, if you had presented the top six teams in Italy, right, and you said, who made it the furthest in the Champions League most recently? Ju Juventus. Nope. They actually went out the previous round. Try again. Uh, Napoli. Nope. They actually wet the bed in Champions League last year. Try again. And then it would be uh, AC Milan a while ago? No. Try again. Okay, enter when they won it. No. What? what? So it's Roma. Yeah. So the, the fact that we have not been there and Inter have not been there, and Napoli haven't really done a lot, right? But the fact that we haven't been there, I was afraid that if they're making the Super League, they're going to basically be like, you know, United, City, Liverpool, Chelsea. Like, I thought they were going to only do four. I thought they were going to leave Tottenham and Arsenal behind. Um, Bayern, Juve, Madrid, Barca. Like, I thought they were going to basically do, like, ten, like, ten total teams and, like, the doors are closed forever and, like, haha. But clearly they're going for, all right, biggest brands, biggest fans, biggest legends, biggest this, biggest that. Put them all in one place. We'll have them playing each other all the time. They're going to make tons of money. We're going to make tons of money. Huzzah. And they'll play those games and all over the world, too. It's going to be all over the world. There's going to be one in the U.S. I can just, I mean, you can feel it in your bones, right? The like U.S., it's going to be Singapore, US. Australia, China, Singapore, Malaysia, Saudi everywhere. Arabia, yeah. like everywhere. Name it the UAE, you know, wherever there, Morocco, wherever there has been a cup final, there's going to be a game there. But I was afraid we were going to miss the boat. Clearly, there is recognition among whoever is making these decisions, which I have no idea. Um, clearly, there is some sort of recognition of the power of these brands and just the power of that money. And selfishly, it feels good that we're, if this happens, which it sounds like it's pretty close, is not going to leave AC Milan behind. And yeah, kind of sucks. This is probably going to come at the expense of some of the last shreds of dignity of domestic competition. But, I mean, again, it kind of feels pretty cool that it was like, okay, Italy, Juve, AC Milan. Next. <laughs> and then they came back when they were looking for more people and they're like, oh yeah, enter. You can come to... It's why I always get really annoyed when the Juventus Inter match is called the Derby d'Italia. I'm like, nah. Yeah, no, the real... I, I mean, just wait until... I mean, shoot, it's it's pretty it's pretty soon. Uh, Juve, AC Milan, people call it Il Vero Derby d'Italia. The real... Yeah, so... Um, yeah, and I subscribe to that. I mean, we know. But um, anyway, so, I mean, that's we're going to see more about the Super League coming soon. I mean, whether it's going to be more leaks, whether Der Spiegel has more information and they're kind of releasing it in chunks, or maybe it's going to be announced, or, you know, God knows. I don't even know, like, is this legal? 
Like, I don't know. I, like, the whole... Uh, even, like, even if it is, like, I, I'm no legal expert, obviously, but you can bet that Alexander Seferin, Gianni Infantino, especially because they're going to be trying to appease their their full... Yeah, their public... I, I, the word base comes to mind. So I, I hate that word that uh i've got elections on my mind um they're gonna they're gonna fight this tooth and nail and it's not gonna end and that 2021 start is a hell of a pipe dream because you're talking less than three years away at this point and they'll still be wrapped up in legal battles and sponsorship issues and it's yep yep it's it's not going away it's not probably starting anytime soon and it's only going to get messier yeah. but that being said they are only going to work to get closer to it so we'll we'll see where this goes but on that note thank you for listening to another episode of the devil wears ross Nero, the official podcast of sb nation's ac milan offside remember to follow us on twitter at sbn ross at Tim underscore Fontenot and at Stoll underscore P. Thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. Hopefully, we can get one win out of the uh, next couple matches we got going on because AC Milan are in for brutal stress. So we'll be back soon to talk about that and much more on the Devil Wears Ross Thanks for listening. See you next time.